0: We're going to be wrapping up this series called Altars, Release Your Praise. I think it's been awesome. I think it has unlocked something in our church. You know, when you speak things, you see things. And so we've spoken releasing the praise, and I think we've seen it. We've, we've noticed a little bit more joy in our worship. We've noticed a little bit of freedom and expression in our worship. If you're new to church, Uh, you'll know that some of these things aren't always comfortable for us. We like parts of the singing and worship experience, but not all of it. And so when maybe it's the expression of our hands, it's a little bit uncomfortable, but it's good for us because it does something in us. And sometimes kneeling last week, what a beautiful moment as we knelt down and gave God that moment in gratitude, reverence and awe. Barak was the form of praise. But I want to take you back to where this journey all began in Exodus chapter 15. If you have your Bibles, Exodus chapter 15, it's going to come up on the screen. It's the story of Moses and the Israelites crossing the Red Sea, supernaturally God-parting waters. They get through the Red Sea and on the other side, they start to sing. Singing is not a requirement, it's a natural response. We are not required to sing on a Sunday. It is a natural response to what God is doing in our lives every other day. And sometimes the church needs to be reminded of that and encouraged in that and and it called forth from us. And so this series of altars, Releasing Your Praise, is reminding us what a natural response looks like to the faithfulness and consistency of God in our lives. And so there's this moment where the Israelites cross the Red Sea and then it's recorded in Exodus 15 and it's known as Moses' Song where they start to sing of the work of God in their lives. And then right at the back end of their song, in verse 17, it says this very important part of the song and story that they're telling. You will bring them out, bring them in, sorry, and plant them on the mountain of your inheritance. That's our first word, inheritance. The place, O Lord, that you made for your dwelling. The sanctuary, O Lord, your hands established. He is talking about a habitation of his kingdom on earth. What they're sensing in the spirit, even though they don't have the full story unfolding just yet, they're singing about something to come. And they're singing about God establishing Himself amongst them, His habitation and with His kingdom and inheritance for the people. It's a very beautiful portion of Scripture. In verse 18 says, And the Lord will reign forever and ever. Friends, this was not scripted for them, this was spontaneous. They weren't told to sing about it, they felt it in their spirit, and they sang it, and now it's the truth of their story, and our story. And there's something very beautiful that we see when we dial all the way back, there's the first time praise is mentioned in the scriptures, first mention of praise, is that they're mentioning praise in connection to the inheritance of God's people. From the beginning of this series, we've been saying, could there be, or is there, a connection, between the extent of our praise or the fullness of our praise and the boundaries of our blessings or the boundaries of our inheritance. If I had to ask you, would you like a big inheritance? You'd be crazy to say no. Well, I think the scriptures invite us into this story. And one of the ways of God for us to walk into an inheritance for us, and I'm going to show you a little bit more about this as the day goes by, is to build into our lives an atmosphere, a language, a rhythm, a practice of praise. Shout praise. We are a people of praise here at Link Church, always have been, always will be. And so we, we kind of have been on this journey looking at seven expressions or Hebrew words that speak of praise. So in your Bible, you'll read the word praise, but if you drill back to what that word was, there are seven different words used to explain that word praise. We've looked at all, well, six so far, and today the seventh. And so I just want to go through them. For just a moment as we remind ourselves that when we partner with each of these expressions, I believe praise is a partnership, by the way. When we partner with each of these expressions, what God does is He expands the boundaries and borders of our lives. There's this supernatural thing that happens when we just partner with God in praise, Link Church. And so, whether it was yada, I think on the screen will be a graphic now that explains them all, whether it was yada, releasing control and trusting God to lead, or whether it was tada, which is declaring His promises, actually declaring His... If you missed any of these, by the way, just hold that graphic up for us. If you missed any of these, it's all online. You need to go and watch this series. It really was just like a, a life-giving and even transformative series for our church. Maybe it was Barak, as I mentioned last week, just reposturing ourselves in reverence and all. Last week I asked many the question, when was the last time you knelt down in reverence? Like just such a beautiful partnership in praise, different expressions of praise that we see in the scripture that expand the boundaries of our lives. Perhaps it was Tehillah praise that really spoke to you in this series, changing the narrative of our world. Tehillah praise is that song you sing when you have no words and it begins to build and begins to stir in us. Many of the worship songs we sing in church began as Tehillah praise, where there may have been a moment with a worship leader or someone wrote the words down and they were just singing out what was natural and it became a song. When Tehillah becomes a song, it becomes a becomes Zamar. It's now a song. It encompasses instruments and it has repetitive lines in it. And so Tehillah was, I believe, changing the narrative of the world. We've got to learn to sing over situations. Amen? And so whether your situation makes sense or not, you can just start to sing over it. Some people are challenged by this idea, but I want to tell you, my children sing all the time. And I remember when I used to do that, and I wonder why I don't anymore, and I I feel like God is releasing in His church just a song to remind you that to heal it changes things, to declare His promises of your circumstance changes things, and if it doesn't change the circumstance, it changes you, and that's a win too. What about Zaman, hello, song and instruments? And so just these expressions of praise, these are six, the title of my message today is simply this, shout unto God. Everyone say Shout. It's the last form of praise we're going to speak about. We're not just going to speak about it, though. We're going to practice it, not just today, forever, as we are with all these seven. Because remember, when we practice and partner with praise, God expands the boundaries and borders of our lives. And I want a bigger life. Amen? And so today's is Shabbat. It's an awesome word that means shout. You know, like at the end of a song when the team says, let's just take a moment and just shout some praise to God and you stand there and you let everyone else do it. And I'm, you know what I'm saying? It's just like, ah, I don't know. That's not really me. That's okay. But then you don't have to have all that God has for you either. You see, this is an invitation to partner with everything. Some of us prefer this moment. I like it when we knelt last week. That's my style of praise. That's cool. Good for you. But there are seven expressions we're invited into. Seven is a number of fullness. It's the expression of completeness. God gave us rest on the seventh day to show us that in seven, we rest in everything he did. So every time seven is mentioned, you should take note because if that expression is in its fullness, there is rest in our lives. So if praise is expressed through all seven forms, watch this, there is rest for our lives on this earth. Not just in your Sunday, in your Monday, in your Tuesday, in your marriage, in your business, in your parenting, in your friendships, in your relationships. The invitation of releasing our praise was ultimately to experience a life of rest. And so God calls us into this expression. And one of them, as we look today, is this expression, shabbat, which is to shout. It's quite interesting because it actually speaks of soothing as well. So although the word says shout, it also says soothe. I like that because... I was thinking about you guys on the side of the sports field. All you angry parents out there. Can I call you passionate? Call it what you want. It's scary sometimes. And uh, I was thinking about when your kid's sports team is playing and you're dead silent. And there's only two two times typically in the game you make some noise. I'm just talking about my experience. One is when the ref gets it wrong. You're the holy people. When they get it wrong, you're just, awesome, awesome, very cool. Normally, I see some noise there. I see a little bit of anger and shout, a little bit of, little bit of you know, hiss, as we call it here in South Africa, shout out to our online friends. That's passion. And so there's a bit of that. But the other time that we can be sure there's going to be a shout is when they score points. I've never seen someone's team score a point and everyone's like, cool, guys. Can we just get back to the middle of the field? I'd like to kick off again, please. That was formality. You know why? Because there is wiring in our, listen to this, not in our physical flesh, there is a wiring in our spirits for victory. And when you sense it, you say something. Now, because we see it clearly on a sports field, we do it intuitively. But in the spirits, we have to partner with things we have not yet seen. We spoke about this. Faith is evidence of that which is not yet seen. Substance of things hoped for. And so faith is expressed in praise. One of the forms of faith expressing itself is praise. And we begin to partner with these seven expressions of praise before we've even seen it. That's how faith works. And the irony is that when we partner with it, we do see it. The reward for faith is seeing what we've believed for. Isn't that the truth? And so God invites us into this story. So when you're on the side of the sports field and the is score, and you just, just, everyone's doing backflips and high-fiving, it's not showmanship. It's the spiritual gift of celebration in victory. Like, of course, cameras make celebrities look like they're doing it for the TV, and maybe they are. But there's something inside of humans that knows what to do when we're winning. And then we come to church. get Your coffee, cool. I'll get your coffee. Hey, church was good today, awesome. Hey, like three people like fell pregnant that weren't able to fall pregnant. It was hey, God was good, eh? it was awesome. It was amazing. We we're praying for one guy's business, he got three deals come through. That was quite cool, actually. And um, yeah, church is growing. I mean, 8 30, 10 30. No one did like that ever. And yet when we come to church, for some reason, I'm maybe speaking to the converted here, but we feel like there is no need for us to make a noise for something that's not yet happened. And yet in the Spirit, we don't fight for victory, we fight from victory. So we start singing VRC before we've even seen the trial being scored. And I need to preach to you, Link Church, because some of your victories await your shouts. I can't be sure of which ones, and I'm not sure what happens every time, but I know God moves in the shout of His people. And there's something about the church today, release your praise, whether we're kneeling, whether we're standing, whether we're hands out, whether we halal, zamar, it doesn't matter what it is. When we partner in praise, there is victory that comes. It is a beautiful, beautiful picture. I actually want to do an example right now. I need seven volunteers. Who's up for a bit of, come on, you three guys. Come Cans Cairns, Grant, Never knew this was coming today. Come on, Tess, you're up again. Kath you're up this time. J.D. Macker. how many have we got here? One, two, three, four, five, six. There we go. I'll be Shabak. All right, give it up for our volunteers, guys. They had no idea this was happening. You see, the church, as I said, we default to one expression that we like the most. And so I'm going to give you any, haven't asked which one you prefer, but I'm just going to start with you. You can be yada, which is Surrendered in Worship. You can be tada, which is Declaring God's Promises. Yeah, there we go. You can be Tehillah, Grantslev, which is just do what you want, sing a prophetic song over the church. You can be zamar. And so you are partnering. The song has become a dance. There are instruments involved. You are Halal Katslev, which is boasting in what God has done for you. And you, J.D. Maka, are Barak. All right. So on three. One, two, three. Just express praise. This is what it looks like when a church is full. Come on, encourage them, church. They're doing really well. Look at this. Yes. 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 And sometimes the church is flat on its face, and sometimes the church is clapping for grace, and sometimes the church is surrendered in praise, and all of the time the church is in praise. Amen? Come on, give it up for our team. J.D. Macca, what are you doing? I wanted to have some fun with it because I want you to feel like praise can be fun too. and. Sometimes we invite the church to kneel and sometimes we invite the church to raise its hands and sometimes we invite the church to shout and all of it matters for our lives to expand in His grace. Amen? Your life was born for Big Link Church. You were born for big and spacious places. God took his people from a land of slavery to a land of sonship. And the transition between the two, across the Dead Sea, the first thing they did was sing. And they established the future of God in the power of their song. Let me tell you, our futures are established in the power of the words we sing and the expression of our praise and the consistency of its form in our lives. God establishes the boundaries. So the invitation is clear. If you want to live a big life, be bold in praise. Be bold and praise. Shabak, what a beautiful word. Psalm 47, it says this, clap your hands all your nations, shout Shabak to God with cries of joy. Some translations say uh, with songs of triumph. Shout out to God with a, a shout of triumph is where that song comes from. How awesome is the Lord most high, the great King of all the earth, exclamation. Like this Psalm wasn't written quietly. David had psalms that were written in reverence, that were, that were gentle and sincere and, 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 and heartfelt. And then he had other psalms that were written with bold expression, like, I'm not holding back, God. The church needs both. He subdued nations under us, people under our feet. He chose our inheritance for us. Imagine I gave you 50 million rand right now and said, shh, don't say a thing. Impossible. Come on! You know what I'm saying? Like... It's just changed my whole life. David's speaking from a position of seeing that his inheritance is taken care of, and he is Shabak to God. He is shouting. He's lost every breath he has to let God know he's grateful. He chose our inheritance for us, the pride of Jacob who he loved. God has ascended listen to this. This is so beautiful, church. listen. God has ascended amidst the shouts of joy. God has risen above our lives amidst the shouts of joy. Why would he write that? Because God inhabits the praises of his people. He's ascended above the shouts of our joy. So when we say, let's take 15 seconds, or when we say, come on, someone shout something out to God, it's because it's an invitation to allow God to ascend again in the praises of his people, over our circumstances, over our lives, over our hearts, over our minds, and bring a soothing, as the word says, both a shout and a soothe to our lives. He's ascended amidst the shouts of joy. The Lord, amid the sounding of trumpets, sing praises to God, sing praises for our King. There's another one, Psalm 145. Listen to this. Great is the Lord, verse 3, and most worthy of our praise. If you hadn't figured it out yet, church is all about Him. And so he's the one who's worthy. Not link, not our brand, not our building, not our people, not our songs. It's all about Jesus. Great is the Lord for what he has done in this place and most worthy of our praise against all odds. Listen to this. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation, I love this line, will commend Shabak, your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of your glorious splendor of your majesty. And I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your works. And I will proclaim your great deeds. Friends, this is the expression of praise in a human like us. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. Who enjoys that Christmas song coming through? Behold. But I love this line. One generation will commend your works to another. One generation will shabak your works to another. Listen, your children intuitively know that when they score tries, you shout for joy. When they walk into church, do they feel the same way? I'm just asking. Because what we train our kids to believe, I've done it, you've done it, it's the way of the world and the kingdom is back to front, right? Right? is if you work really hard and if you try your best and if you stumble and fall and if you do, eventually you will get a try and only when you get the points will we make enough noise for you to know that you've done a great job. Let's be honest, even our best encouragement pales into insignificance compared to when the scoreboard goes up. Am I preaching? We wait for the score to be in our favor before we make enough noise to validate it. And so then we walk into church, and the same rhythm, I'm just trying to break it because God knows He wants to flip the switch and give His church victories before they've earned anything. That's what grace is all about. Before you were born, you were foreigners and exiles, and yet while we were still sinners, He died for us. What does that mean? We're now victorious. We are made righteous. We are made whole. We are set free. We are set apart. Our song starts before there are any points on the board that we can visibly see in our lives. And so, when our children walk into church, what they should start seeing, the first thing they should see is the last thing that they experience in the world, which is we worked really hard. We got some points. Our exams went well. I got a merit. My mom's taking me out for an ice cream. Shout out, parents. Keep doing it. Ice creams are awesome. But what we want to do in the church is enjoy the moments before we've seen the scoreboard shift. Can I preach? Which means when our children arrive on a Sunday, what they should see is a church bold in her expression of praise because they know that victory is the starting point of the believer, not the end result of a life lived in faithfulness. We start in victory and we enjoy ever-increasing levels of what God brings through faithfulness. This changes everything. Sometimes our joy is put on the shelf until we've experienced the result that we really want. Because we think that that's what brings the joy. Someone's going to shout for the effort I gave. Someone's going to see that, the, you know, that my life was lived for someone. Someone's going to do this. I'm going to get an accolade. I'm going to get a high five. And at that point, I will start to sing. Like the marriage. I'm just going to press this a little bit further. I'm having a little bit of fun here, so I'm going to keep going. Like the marriage, I'm trusting God that my wife will finally listen to what I have to say. And this week, she did. Finally, she heard what I was saying. I've been speaking loud and clear. She'd been missing it. Going over her head. And this week she heard it loud and clear. She now knows where I stand and where she stands. In my, you know no one's even nodding their heads, but some of the husbands resonating in their spirits. It's like the wife who's been inviting her husband to church for nudge him now. Don't, he won't come back. And this week he finally came to church. Hey, that week in church you're singing, hey, eh? praise God from whom all blessing. And all you're thinking is, he finally did what I said. Our preaching? Is it honest? We sing louder when we get the result we wanted. That's the way of the world. The way of the kingdom is we sing loud knowing the result he gives. Come on, church, we've got to go somewhere together here. Next year will not be the same as this year. It'll be bigger and better. Your lives will not be the same as they have been. They will be bigger and better. The way of the world is we wait for the result we wanted and then we make a little bit of noise about it. The way of the kingdom is we make exceptional noise for the results we're guaranteed to get, not because of who we are, but because of who he is. And so my noise and my shabak and my nil and my yada and my tada and all the expressions of praise, don't worry about the words, get the heart. All of those expressions matter for me to start living my life from a position of victory, not for a position of victory. Like the businessman or woman, that God, I just need this. I just need this so badly. And you're quiet and you're hoping and you're quiet and you get it and you're like, yo, I can't wait for church. They're going to sing Yahweh and I'm going to dance. You should be dancing long before we sang it because your inheritance is guaranteed, just the timeline we're figuring out. Amen. I hope this is doing something in you, Link Church. I'll close. I'll speak about this word, Shabbat. It's a very beautiful Hebrew word. It's got three letters. Remember a while ago, I spoke about the Bible having layers, paradise, pardes, four layers. Words like this are beautiful when you see the layers, shabak, the noise, because what we hear is they just went nuts. Watch what that actually looks like in the word. There are three letters in this Hebrew word. The first is the letter shin. You won't mind about the letters? Let me give you the picture. Hebrew letters are very pictorial because they believe that every word has a world to it. So the Hebrew culture was very descriptive. So when they mentioned a the word within its context, it had a whole world of imagination that came from it. Ours are more linear, we want outcomes. Theirs were imaginative. This word Shabak had a world attached to it. The first letter of the word sh- is the letter Sheen. In Hebrew or Jewish culture, if you walk into a very Jewish home, you'll see above their door, you've been to one of those, there's a little thing called a mezuzah. That little thing called the mezuzah above the door has a little letter on it. It's the letter Sheen. They believe it's God Almighty. All right, it's the same uh, letter that represents Deuteronomy 6 prayer, which Jewish people pray over their families. In fact, that representation above their door is this prayer from Deuteronomy 6. You can go and read it. It says, and we will start to celebrate when we see God leads us into land with houses we didn't build, plants we never, or crops we never planted. So above their homes is a reminder of the inheritance they have in God. First letter, the letter of inheritance. You with me, church? Sheen. Second letter is the letter bait. The letter Beit's picture is a house, or an establishment, or a togetherness, or in modern day words, the church, all right? And so this word Shabbach, the shout, we got Sheen, which speaks of an inheritance that we didn't earn. We got Beit, which speaks of a house, a safe place for his people to dwell. And then the third letter is the word, or letter Chet. Get is a fence. Now it's interesting, if that letter is between other letters, it can often mean, often mean pictorially, it's a fence that divides two things. If it's on the end of a word, it can mean it's a boundary or a border that establishes new things. In this case, it's at the end of the word. You with me, Link Church? This is for free, just to bless you this Christmas. The next time you make a noise, watch what you're doing. you got sheen, bait, get. you got a picture of inheritance you never earned, A house, a safe place, an establishment of God's people, and a fence, which in this case is a border or boundary of blessings. David said, the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. That's chet. So when we shout, what we're coming into agreement with by praise, see the layers? Is the God who gives inheritance through his local house and establishes pleasant boundaries for my life. The God who gives an inheritance through his local house and establishes the boundaries and borders of my life. Big, beautiful boundaries, borders. And all we did was make a noise. Now watch. In Joshua's story, Jericho, you remember the story. I'm going to invite the kids in in just a moment. We're going to celebrate a few kids moving up to the next age group. But I've got to tell you the story. In Joshua's story, they were told to walk around the walls of Jericho six times, right? And we have a little bit of information around what they did, but we... I can't be sure of every minute. I mean, there must have been times of doubt. There must have been times of kneeling down and just desperation. I mean, walking around walls is barely exciting. But they were told to walk around the walls six times, six a picture of human effort. But there must have been multiple expressions of praise as they walked around. Can I bring it home for you? As they walked around their marriage, as they walked around their business, as they walked around our communities, just faithfully, just walking around what we've been called to inherit. And then what happens on the seventh day? What's the command? Shout, Shabbat. And the inheritance and the dwelling of God's people will be established with new boundaries. What happens in the story of Jericho? The walls come down. What do walls do? Constrict. They protect if you're inside, but they restrict you if you're inside. And so God brings down the walls to give them a bigger inheritance. And you know what it says? You can go and read the story. When they walk into Jericho, it says they inherit houses they never built. They eat from crops they never planted. God ask you, church, what are you waiting for? Sometimes it is surrender. Sometimes it is declaration. Sometimes it is reverence. And other times it's a shout. And when we shout, there is an inheritance in the house that is established. I'm going to say that again. Because if you plant yourself in the house of the Lord, if you need a link, church, keep coming. We'll figure it out. We're going to go on a journey. You don't have to have it all worked out on day one. But there is an inheritance in the house that is established in our praise. There is an inheritance in the house that is established in In our prayers, and I invite you in Link Church on that story. Amen.